Join us as we gather around the hedge, where we dig into technology, business, and culture with the finest minds in computer networking. Hey, Tom, how are you today? Doing pretty good. How about you, Russ? Fine. Nothing has changed in your office. I'm beginning to wonder if that is a picture of an office behind you. Maybe. Maybe it's a virtual Tom's office. It's a virtual Tom's office. He took a picture of his office at one point in time, and he has left it since then. He's put up a big green screen so you can't actually see the mess and the dead plant, which I'm sure, you know, I'm I'm astounded <laughs> that that plant has survived all these like a year now or whatever it is. Yeah. And today we have Yvonne. We are hello, we are blessed. Hello. We are blessed with Yvonne. Oh goodness. Yes. And <laughs> Yvonne's background, there is a new addition. There's a frog lamp. If you see my I need to get a table oh, for yes. it. Oh, you need to get a table my for it. My frog lamp is sort of an inside joke between me and a great friend of mine and she sent it to me as a birthday gift. Oh. So I now have my frog lamp in the background and it is going to be prominently featured from here on out. And you have a little bit of a mess going on back there, which is really un-Yvonne. What's, what's up with that? It's not a mess. It's my blanket. <laughs> that blanket is monogrammed with the word she shed <laughs> so that my children do not steal it and take it into the house. That is mom's uh -huh. she shed blanket. I ordered it with the words embroidered on it so that this this is its home and so when i need to read and sit in my thinking chair i have my blanket i see i have a plan yeah. yvonne, a yvonne usually has her blanket folded though so it's a little yeah. bit it's a little bit out of character to have an unfolded blanket well it's 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 a little warm outside but it was rainy here this morning and it was a little cool and so i did use my blanket and then just tossed oh, it on the chair so good. i mean i do have a hanger for my two shirts that I keep down here for the same reason, right? Sometimes it gets cold down here. So I have yeah. a, I have a flannel shirt that I most of the time it ends up hanging over the thinking chair rather than hanging on the wall where it should be. But you know, I, it, I don't know. <laughs> so today is a round table day and just for a bit of history for, for another project I'm working on, I've been reading a book that was published in 1911 called Addresses to Engineers or Engineering Students. I can't see it up there. Um, and the story of this book is Address to Engineering Students by um, Waddell and Harrington. And it's really designed to be for freshman engineers coming into a university environment. And now, of course, 1911, we're talking electrical. We're talking, you know. Civil. Civil. You know, buildings, bridges. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and architectural engineers, whatever, that type of stuff, right? Um, so we're not talking modern day. Anyway, so I was reading this book for another project, and some of the quotes in this are just incredible. I mean, given that they're over 100 years old, how much things have not changed? <laughs> so, well, I'm really excited about this conversation because the I've not read the whole book, but I've read the quotes that Russ has shared with us. And this is like distilled wisdom from a hundred years ago that is still applicable. And so anytime you come across that, like, you know, it's something you need to like hang on to and 
commit to to deeper thought. So this yeah. is like right up right up my alley. Yeah, this is this is really cool. Now I will warn you if you go find the book. The book is available on archive.org as a PDF. But I will warn you, one, it's long, and two, it's a product of its time. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It is what All it is. male pronouns, yeah. women aren't engineers, yeah, lots exactly. of, you know, masculine analogies. Yeah. Um, exactly. It may even use the word virility in a couple spots. <laughs> so just, you've been warned. <laughs> but anyway, all right. So let's begin with the first one. Um, we must remember, however, that the mind of the engineer is primarily a workshop and not a warehouse or a lumber room of mere information. Oh, just the just the comparisons right there. <laughs> not a lumber house or a lumber room. It's, it is a place where things get done, not worth pl not a place where things go and sit. That's right? exactly right. Yeah, that's that's wow. Your facts are better stored in your library. Room there is not so valuable as it is in the mind, and the information, furthermore, is better preserved. Memory is as poor a reliance to the engineer as to the accountant. Both alike should consult their books when they want exact facts. Wow. Like. <laughs> this is so perfect. And, and I'm having flashbacks now to uh, high school chemistry class. And uh, I was in a pre-chemistry in, in high school. And we had a teacher who required their students to memorize the periodic table. My particular chemistry teacher was like, if you ever get a job in the field, a periodic table is going to be plastered on the wall of every lab you ever work in. He's like, memorizing the periodic table is a waste of effort and a waste of space. Yeah. And um, that that's really what you see reflected in this quote here. Memory yeah. is as poor a reliance to the engineer as to the accountant. Yeah. You know, it's, wow. that's just yeah. like a chef's kiss sentence. <laughs> which, which, by the way, is so applicable to network engineering because we spend so much time trying to memorize command strings and blah, blah, blah. And like, oh, BGP is port 179 and this, that and the other. And you're like, really? Um, I hate to tell you this, but all the LSA numbers in OSPF and all the types, they're just like an Internet search away. Really, they really are. You don't have to memorize everything. Um, there's something, there's stuff that's going to stick in your mind because you use it all the time. That's fine. Let it stick in your mind. But to intentionally go out and, and memorize packet formats or whatever, no, that's library stuff. Let it be in the library. I think that's pretty well explained by room there is not so valuable as it is in the mind and the information furthermore is better preserved. So you're going to forget stuff anyway. You're, yeah. it's, you're not going to be able to keep track of it this, other than the stuff that you use every day. So let it be in a place where you can get the complete accurate facts and then just look it up. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I'm, I've, I've become fascinated by a lot of the recent data coming out of the study of neuroscience. And what we're learning is that our memories are not nearly as fixed as we once believed they were our memories every time we recall something an event the memory of that event changes and so relying on our memory to store this kind of information um just isn't 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 helpful and it is by far um less accurate and and one more thought i have about it when i was growing up i had an uncle i would grab a pencil to write something down and he's like he looked at me he's like 
you know, is it better to have a short pencil or a long mind? And now 20 years later, I would be like, oh, a short pencil, a short pencil. is way better, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, definitely. There's even a story about Einstein at some party one time he went to and somebody asking for his phone number. He lived in Princeton. So when I was in that area and went to Princeton for various reasons, um, you know, the stories about Einstein flow all over the place. But anyway, so um, there was a story about him going to a party and somebody asking for a phone number for his phone number so they could call him. And he's like, hang on a minute. And he went and asked the host where their phone book was. And he looked up his phone number. And the person asking him was like, what, you don't know your own phone number? He said, why would I memorize my own phone number? I don't ever call it. Yeah, and it's in the phone book. (laughs) If I need it, it's in the phone book. Like it's written down someplace. Why should I bother with this? I think that's that's really fascinating in light of the modern world and our emphasis on, and even with certification tests and stuff. Oh, we're so bound by 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 memorization, and it's just not that. So, yeah. So the second one is, and yet, how many engineers? Minds are all shops out of which only shop talk can be drawn. I don't know how many times I've said this. Life, Anybody feel busted? <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk about anything, but like, yeah. Yeah, like just go be a full person. Such men are little more than animated tools worked in the interests of society. They are liable to be something of a bore to their families and friends, almost a cipher in the social and religious life of the community, and a weariness to the flesh for their more liberal-minded professional brethren. Their lives are one continuous grind, which has for them doubtless a certain grim satisfaction, but which is monotonous and tedious in comparison with to, with what they might have been. Wow. <laughs> this, well, is and- a, this is a call to humanity, right? Go ahead, Tom. <laughs> The best engineers I've, the ones that are really good that I've met aren't like this anyway. They're, they're total complete people. There, there are tons of people sort of in the middle range of capability and the middle range of accomplishment that are like this, but the best ones, they can talk about all kinds of things and it doesn't have to be engineering. So this, this tracks for me. Yeah. So, so go get a philosophy degree. Yeah. Be like like Russ. I, uh, I, there's a, there's a book, um, that I read that had a pretty profound, I think Mike Bouchong is the one I heard recommend it, but, but called range that talks about the importance of, um, varied knowledge and experiences and also uh, chronicles like Nobel prize winners and how many of them had lots of cross disciplinary expertise that converged to allow them to do amazing things. And so, yes, we need depth of expertise, but we can't ignore a broad range of expertise, which allows us to bring all those different influences together to create something unique and truly creative. So I think that's part of what this is speaking to, but it's also for us computer-minded engineering folks, like get your head out of the screen to use a, a modern colloquialism, go touch grass, go play with your friends or your kids or um, have a hobby, you know, something yeah. Yeah. that broadens your yeah, go out, go outside. human experience. It's, it's kind of warm out there a lot of times, you know, especially during the summer and the graphics are just incredible. Like there's just no pixelation <laughs> on the grass. Outside. Just, just saying. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I think better that's than all. 4k, right? Yeah, exactly. Better than 4k. Yeah. 
And, and, you know, you talk about range. I love that book because, you know, the thing today is hedgehogs know one big thing and fox know, foxes know many things, which, by the way, is a quote of a Greek philosopher. That's not like a recent thing. That's like way, way back. People have said this. And it is true that, you know, in our world, we want to be the hedgehog. We want to know the one big thing, right? That's what we want to know. But the fact is, in a world full of hedgehogs, the foxes have a huge advantage because they know a lot of little things and they know how to put things together. And I just think this goes back to shape of knowledge and trying to understand things. Um, but also, as you said, Yvonne, I mean, how many engineers, you go to an engineering conference, how many engineers can talk about anything other than engineering? Like, it's not, like, it's not a thing. Most people, most of the engineers I know, their hobbies are either music or it's something within the engineering field. It's something inside, like, I know one guy who built um, Stratum 1 clocks for a hobby, atomic clocks in his house for a hobby. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's cool, but, like, it's yet within the same engineering realm, right? It's, like, it's not diverse. It's, like, you're not expanding your mind and thinking about stuff. So, yeah, this is another one that's really so don't be monotonous and tedious yes is is the is the language of our quote right yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> don't be monotonous and tedious you know don't be a cipher in the social and religious life of your community and a weariness to the flesh of more liberal minded professional <laughs> brethren a the language is fabulous <laughs> a weariness to the flesh that is so cool okay so um, the third one's rather long, so maybe we'll take it in sections. First, let me remind you of three elements of true education, development, training, and information. By the first, I mean the, the capacity for abstract conception and reasoning. By the second, the formation of correct habits of thought and methods of reasoning, and the training of the hand to execute and the eye to see. By the third, the acquisition of thoughts and experiences of other men and the truths of nature. Okay, so this just struck me because in the old days, we had something called the virtue ethic, and everybody pretty much followed the virtue ethic, which is that you have to teach yourself how to think. And nowadays, we don't, we don't do that anymore. We're just like, memorize stuff and throw it all out there. And it just, you know, it is what it is. Well, I think um, we we focus on becoming immediately useful. We we focus almost exclusively on the very short term. What can I learn that will make me productive right now? I don't want to wait two weeks or a year. I want to be productive right now. And and so we skip the development section and jump straight to training, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, that's even true of colleges. For a lot of colleges nowadays, you're going to learn how to code. You're not going to learn how to be a broad-minded and learn how to to think. Like, that's very weird, isn't it? The thought of thinking, learning how to think. Um, something something I, I we spent a lot of time on in the PhD program was, you know, we're, you're not here to learn a particular thing, subject deeper than anybody else has. You are here in the PhD program to learn um, how to research and how to think. That's what you're here for. And the dissertation is just an exposure of your ability to research and think doesn't really matter if you agree with the dissertation or not, or 
if your readers do or not or whatever, it, that's not the point. So I don't know. Yvonne has a look like she's. I am. I am. You know my face. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, well, it, I think this is one of those topics where we have to be careful to keep it between the ditches. Yeah. Right. Like you can. You, I, wise man. I heard it giving a talk once said you can drive off into the ditch on both sides of the road. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, true with this. Like you, you've got to be able to understand the why behind what you're doing and thinking and reasoning through and understand conceptually what's going on. But at a certain point, like until you take those concepts and apply them practically, there's a piece of your knowledge that's missing. You know, we've seen a lot of folks who stay in the realm of the theoretical or have all these, you know, the the, the best example are are the non-parents who have such great parenting advice, right? Um, It's it's (laughs) like once, once you put your hands to it and you understand their complexities and challenges there, that just don't come out in the, in the abstract reasoning. So we need both of those things. And I do agree with Tom. I feel like we veered too far in the direction of let's be immediately productive. At the same time, if you stay in the realm of the theoretical for too long without practical application, you, you just make an equal and opposite error, right? Yes. Yes. And they're, so, and they're presented, they're presented serially, uh, here, but I I doubt that was the author's intent. It certainly isn't the right way to do it. Like like a lot of the things that I learned, the abstract con- concepts of networking that I learned, I only could have learned them after building real networks. And then That's once right. I <laughs> built a real network, then I go back and look at. I still remember learning um, learning Dijkstra um, by looking at a real working OSPF network, and I was amazed. I was like, oh, I understand the algorithm now. Like this is amazing. But but if you never go back and say I want to understand the algorithm, then I think you miss out on a lot. Yeah, very yeah. much. RFC 1925 Rule Four: Some things in life can never be fully appreciated nor understood unless experienced firsthand. Absolute truth there. Yeah, definitely true. So, following, continuing in that quote, the development of the mental faculties is by far the most important, and I assume he means the writer means here, or the more so than the ability to execute and the eye to see the physical capabilities are not as not as important as the mental faculties since it alone confers that power which masters all it touches which can adapt old forms to new uses or create new and better means of reaching old ends yeah yeah and we we talk about this a lot too and and after you've been in the industry a certain amount of time um, I, and I think Russ, it was probably a decade or so ago that I heard you talk about this, um, that there are just only so many patterns, right? And after you've done this long enough, you've seen enough distributed systems, you've seen enough um, routing protocols, you've seen enough architectures, you begin to recognize those patterns. And I think that's um, a big part of what it's those mental faculties is talking about here. And then also, yeah. how do I look at architecture A and apply it to problem to a, to a new problem, right? And being able to, in your mind, connect those things. It's so important. And again, it takes both like a theoretical understanding and a practical understanding to be able to yeah. do that. Yeah, definitely. Yes, definitely. I mean, it is, a, it's, you know, it's like taking the wheel and applying it to a thousand different problems, right? 
And sometimes you don't think of a wheel as being a solution in certain situations, but then you're like, well, you know, if I just put a wheel there, I could actually move this thing or I could just do that thing or whatever I want to and, or use it. I mean, the first person who figured out that you could put a wheel with a groove in it and put a cable through it to make a, to make a pulley system. Like who would have ever thought, right? Like applying the wheel to something completely different is, but that I think is where a lot of things come forward. All right. And the third part of this quote is um, the formation of correct habits of thinking and working habits of, of observing, of classifying, of investigating, of understanding, of getting clear and distinct ideas of proving instead of guessing of weighing evidence and of thoroughly honest work is a method of using that power commercially. The accumulation of facts is of the least important, is, is the least important. Wow. That is, that is all definitely true. When, and the fact that he refers to these things as habits of, mm -hmm. you know, of classifying, of investigating, of understanding. And I think, um, you know, I, I have some habits that I've developed in, uh, you know, how I keep and track information. I have some habits in, that I go about um, day to day. Um, and I think those intentionally forming those habits in the direction that we want them to go is a force multiplier in effectiveness. Yeah, right. It is. Um, it and, is. and folks who are unable to develop habits are going to struggle, yeah. especially in engineering, but frankly, in life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the list is, I mean, classifying, I mean, observing, we do not live in an observant world. I'm sorry. We just don't. We don't live in a world where we actually pay attention to things and not not just technical things, but people things, right? We just don't pay attention. We just like, oh, well, whatever. We're moving along our way. Um, investigating, understanding, like, okay, when I'm studying a text to work on a project, I will reread the text 10 or 15 times until I really feel like I have an understanding of it, or I'll find five different ways of approaching the text. So I understand it. That's a habit. Like I know when I've grokked it, I know when I've found something that I really comprehend what's going on. Quite often, I think we, we, we in the modern world tend to have this habit of like, okay, I know how to configure it. or I know how to do this. or I know how to ask about it. So I understand it right No. Proving instead of guessing. Wow. We don't do that very much, do we? We do a lot of guessing and not a lot of proving. <laughs> I, I That to me is the one that to me stands out in bold type uh, in this paragraph, just personally. Uh, I think we, especially if you have a lot of experience, um, you come to rely on instinct um, instinctively. Like, oh, I've seen something like this. I think I know I, I've seen something like this before and your gut tells you something and often you're right. And the problem with that is that sometimes it steers you wrong. And the other problem with that is it's very hard to explain to somebody else uh, your gut instinct. It's very hard to explain why so that someone else can benefit from it. Um, one thing I I think is really interesting um, and a good example is uh, air crash investigations in the United States. So the NTSB will go investigate whenever there's a crash. And um, if you look through those, you find that they, I mean, this is their job. Their job is to prove instead of to guess. And they find, um, you know, they'll go back and find some little small thing. Um, I can't remember 
I can't remember the exact details of it, but there was one crash that was caused. So an aircraft took off, a commercial jet took off and then crashed in a river. And they figured out that they had a component had failed because uh, the wrong solution had been put into a maintenance cart uh, for lubricating some part of the, uh, some part of the airplane. And that caused a chain reaction that caused a crash. And they, they proved, they went through and found all the, all the links in the chain that went back. And then what that enabled them to do was prevent this type of disaster and proving instead, like they could have just guessed, I guess they could have said, Oh, probably this, let's try to do better, but that's not how you make um, flying safer. And so, um, you know, the proving instead of guessing, I think is, um, and, and it's really, it's really satisfying when there's a problem and you can prove it rather than like, well, I just, my experience tells me, so you have to, you have to listen to my authoritative argument. No, here's some data that proves what I'm saying. I think that's really valuable. And that's why labs are so important, right? Uh, building out a lab environment. And I also think like one of the things that came to mind as you were talking, Tom, is like Nick Russo has this fabulous packet capture library out there right like here's a packet capture library that shows you what right looks like what this kind of traffic is and if you have have tools like that you can compare against um super valuable one one of the things that stood out to me in this list was classifying i i think i've become more aware of category errors lately like we compare a bunch of different things but they're not in the same category you know like it's 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 like sometimes people will compare a color with fruit and yes just because a color is named orange and there's also a fruit named orange it doesn't mean these things are the same and i see that happen so often and then people come to conclusions that just don't make sense when you unpack the category errors right and so like i i've started paying more attention to a weight we're saying these these are the same thing because they sound alike or because they have some superficial similarities, but they're not really the same thing. And I think it's really important to look at those things and unpack them. Yeah. Yep. I agree with both of those. Yeah. I think category errors are a big problem. And um, uh, I just think that we don't we don't do a good job at it a lot of times because we haven't thought it through. And we don't do as good of a job of proving instead of guessing as we should. By the way, I think this really bites you in troubleshooting. I think that's what this really hurts is guessing instead of proving really bites you in troubleshooting. And a lot of times we don't even know how to prove stuff in troubleshooting. Okay. I, I remember this time once when <clears throat> Sergeant Pietrzak and I were called out to work on our radar system. Boy, this is going back a long time. And, um, the there was a problem in the RHI circuit and we were like okay what are we going to do here so we started measuring around looking at the schematics and we found two points in the circuit that were a short between those those two points in the circuit and we looked at the diagram and we're like there's supposed to be a resistor there that resistor is broken that's what's wrong with this the resistor is shorted out so we ordered a resistor and the next morning we came in and replaced it and it didn't have any changes circuit was still broken we were like Okay, what's wrong with the RHI here? Range height indicator here. What's going on? And so we started chasing things down and not on the same sheet, on a different sheet, there is, there was an inductor parallel with that resistor. Do you know anything about electronics? When you measure with DC, direct current through an ohmmeter, which is what an ohmmeter does, inductors do not have any resistance. It's just straight wire. So basically, we had measured a, a, a resistor in parallel with an inductor and thought the resistor was the problem. That was just simply like we didn't prove it, right? We looked at it. 
We had our experience as electronics people. We knew what we were doing. We said, that's the problem. It's two o'clock in the morning, wrap up and go home. Order the resistor. Yeah, no, that's not the way it works. You got to be able to prove it. Um, Another thing to think about in troubleshooting, um, and I learned this really from, uh, you know, Kahneman and Tversky's book, Thinking Fast and Slow. They were talking about base rates and the base rate is is the normal um, the normal number of incidents a thing happens. Right. So if, 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 if you're logging, right, like how many, for example, uh, you've got a bunch of remote sites. How often do we have a remote site go down on a regular basis, right? Just through the course of like law of large numbers, Mm -hmm. we have this, you know, circuits fail or equipment fails. Like what's our normal base rate? If you don't know that, and then you're in the middle of it, of some sort of an outage or strange behavior, then you don't know how to compare what's happening now with the normal state. And so understanding that base rate is super important. And that speaks to everything we've been talking about, right? Yeah. The, you know, having mental faculties, it's having systems Observing, and classifying and understanding yeah. your data and, yeah. and all of that. Like, and that's why, um, you know, we talk about observability in this industry, but really you've got to know like what is steady state that way you can figure out what is really a deviation. Cause if you don't know, you see all these log entries and then like you get to the end and you look back and you go, Oh, like we thought that meant something, but it didn't because it was normal. Right. And I don't, I don't think baseline always, I think sometimes it can mean that, oh, we have this many log messages per second and we our environment has this many bits per second on these links. I think that is one way to do it. Another way to do it is to get base rate of all the components and how they're supposed to behave. If you see OSPF messages coming at an extremely fast rate and 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 you know that that is not how the protocol normally works, um, you know, that's a, that's a great base rate. Like just understanding protocols can establish base rate. Yeah. It's, it's not just about having a giant data store full. I know that's not what you're saying, Yvonne, but, yeah. but I think sometimes it comes out like that. Like, oh, you gotta have a giant data store and a giant, a giant thing that, that picture of my network and, and, but you can get it just by understanding protocols too. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it takes experience and time to understand which of those metrics are the most meaningful ones in your environment, because it can vary from environment, environment, to, from environment to environment, depending on your architecture and, and, you know, what protocols and hardware and, you know, applications you're running. So, yeah. Okay, let's do one more and we'll, then we'll quit because there's like a lot of these quotes <laughs> and they're, they're all they're all a lot of fun. Anyway, the fundamental difficulty then with the student is that discipline and correct thinking are not things which can be posed upon him from without the things which he must acquire for himself, and he can only learn to inquire, acquire for himself being given the opportunity. To use a favorite illustration, the school is not a restaurant where a man goes to be filled up, but is a gymnasium where he finds the apparatus which, if he is used as shown, is, is used if used as he is shown, will develop him as he ought to be developed. Wow, there is so much about that, about certifications, oh, and about yes. college degrees, and about, yeah, <laughs> a certification is not a restaurant. You don't go there to fill yourself up. <laughs> well, and and I think, you know, and I think this quote captures the nuance of that challenge, right? Because you have people on one side that are like, 
certifications are all important and you have to have them. And then other people are like, certifications are useless. Well, well, you're both right. And, and, and you're, you're, you're both wrong, right? It's, it, it really does depend on how that content has been used and worked upon, right? You can, yeah. you can go to the gym every day and sit and read a book and you know, you, you're not going to be any stronger or healthier or any of those. You're not going right. to get the physical benefits of going to a gym. Yep. Right. Um, and, and I, that, that analogy is, is fabulous, but it also references us back to those habits of observing and classifying and, and all yeah. of, all of those things. Yeah. yeah my was, favorite this... part, my favorite part of this is that discipline and correct thinking, the discipline and correct thinking are not things which can be imposed upon him from without. Um, I think we sometimes I think one of the errors we can make is we can think that this institution, this uh, this certification, this vendor that's providing a certification or this college or this university, um, I'll go and they will teach me to be smart. They will teach me to be to know how to reason. Um, yeah. But it can't it can't it, it cannot be like that. You have to do it. You have to impose it upon yourself with some guidance. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. My uh, my husband shared a video I don't know in the last week of uh, of Nick Saban, the Alabama football coach, and and maybe you're not a football fan, and that's fine. I promise I'm not going to go too too deep in the sports sports analogy. But he was talking about the challenge of young people specifically um, thinking that there are too many ways to do a thing, and he's like, at the end of the day, excellence takes what it takes, right? Like there are certain things you have to do. And I think that's what this is speaking to, like understanding, engineering, building systems that work like it takes what it takes. And that may be slightly different based on an individual and maybe their learning styles or their mental capacity or their, you know, background or whatever. But but there is no magic bullet. There is no ten thousand dollar week long boot camp that's going to get you there right? It takes what it takes. And a lot of that is study and effort and, um, and attention to the task. And, and at the end of the habits. day, yeah, yeah. Building. At the end of the day, we may get there differently. Um, and, and I know that there's a lot of focus to, uh, anymore on, on neurodivergence and, and um, inclusivity. And I think all those things are important to know and understand, but still at the end of the day, it takes what it takes. And, uh, and I think that's, that's what they're trying to say here in this quote. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that someone has to acquire for themselves actually allows for all types of different ways of thinking right. to be, to be gene, to just be great uh, contributors. But if you say it has to be imposed upon you, well, then the system has to account for every single variation of every single person. And that's not how it works anyway. You, you, you impose it on yourself and then however you are, however you think you can be great. And I don't know, that just feels really empowering to me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think like one of the things that, that I've, I've sort of pushed back against as I've worked with young people is that, you know, well, nobody told me I needed to, well, you, you know, at some point you have to take responsibility for where you want to go and what needs to be done to get you there. And of course, people need mentors and they need a guide and they may from time to time need a push and people who have that in their lives generally go further. At the same time, you can do it without that if if you're motivated and if you want it. Um, it and, and then those of us who are there 
you know, can, can lend a hand and help yeah. point the path. Right. But today, if you have an internet connection and there's a thing you want to know or do or become, um, you should be able to find a roadmap to help get you there. Yeah. Um, not, not that there aren't higher barriers for some than others, because there absolutely are based on all kinds of factors. But um, at the end of the day, it, it, it can't be imposed from without, right? right. Which is yeah. such a great way to phrase it. Yeah, it's got, it's got to come from within you. Okay, so that was what, five quotes? It's fabulous. Great stuff. It's great stuff, yeah. Um, okay, so I guess we'll run around. So Yvonne, where do people get in touch with you if they want to? Yeah, uh, on... I'm still going to call it Twitter, folks. Sorry. I know. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure on, about the whole X thing. I'm struggling. On the, on the platform formerly known as Twitter, <laughs> you can find me there as at Sharp Network, or you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. And Tom? Uh, yeah, same thing. LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Tom Ammon. Tom Ammon. Yeah. See, somehow or another, you got an easy to find name <laughs> on, on all these platforms. You know, I ended up with like Routing Geek because like I couldn't get. <laughs> Although the, the email address I miss the most now is I used to have Russ at Cisco.com and I know I miss that, but you know, that's never going to happen again. So that's okay. Say <laughs> lovey. Yeah, it is. So, all right. I'm Russ White. You can always find me here at the hedge um, on rule11.tech on the platform formerly known as Twitter, as Yvonne says, <laughs> and LinkedIn and other places around and about. Um, we appreciate your time and attention here at The Hedge. We know you live a busy life and taking even a half an hour out to listen to us like talk about weird stuff like old engineering books is kind of cool. <laughs> so thanks for listening and uh, we will catch you next time. 